0: The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.
1: From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Couture, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss
2: all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Is that like pop goes the weasel? One of those. what was a can pour today, man.
0: Nice one, though. A sixteen six hundred can pour, mixed yes, twice. Yes, you can. Actually, There's
2: six of us here today for the podcast. By the way, <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, hey everybody, welcome there. There is six of us. <laughs>
1: But only still outnumbered. But (laughs) and you know, not not all of us speak words yet. (laughs) Some most of us can't form sentences. (laughs) There's there's hope for some of us. The rest of us are pretty
0: locked in. Hey everybody, welcome to the winemakers. I'm John Myers with Brian Casey, Bart Hansen, and Sam Couture sitting outside at 1600 with uh, Brene Royal. Welcome. You are the vine- vineyard manager, ding, 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 <laughs> at Mono What a beautiful spot to work. Wow. Thank you. I love looking down at that vineyard. It's beautiful.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So is this the... S- third time you've we've had you on this is number this second. Is the second time second yeah. wasn't there one oh, time like a uh, was there a covid one i guess was like there, i think yeah. it was right before covid
3: it was in 2019 yeah december it was like december 2019
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it was like one of our last everything in was like in-, really in person
3: thinking we were going to take off yeah. <laughs> 2020 <It> was <laughs> going to be great it. it was going to yeah. it was going to be psychotic good vintage yeah.
2: right maybe yeah Crazy. Well, welcome back.
3: Thank you. And
2: congratulations. Thank yeah. you. Thank
3: you. Thank you. It's
1: Brene Royal plus one. Plus one. Yeah. Plus ten one. weeks. Second generation cool. farmer we're, coming. We're ten weeks
0: out. Yeah. Ten weeks. And the little boy.
3: Uh, yeah.
0: How long before you can uh, get him pruning and stuff like
3: I'm that? I'm thinking like 18 months. I'm
2: throwing him outside. I could see leaf pulling um, really quick. Oh, that's a really, really good activity. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah and we're establishing like a second garden i'm gonna throw them out there with the guys so i i'm banking on 18 months or so
0: do you have a big garden now
3: yeah we have maybe an acre and a half of garden wow, and we're nice. establishing a second acre
0: where does it all go personal yeah uh, of everybody so
3: um the idea with the second one is just for the team to have an extension of produce that we don't already grow um we're also doing a beehive and then uh we're getting chickens at some point i was supposed to get them last fall and then i was like who's gonna take care of the chickens over the winter because it's <sighs> probably not gonna be me so <laughs> i would the chickens
1: we you know we have backyard seven they were so miserable uh, through the three weeks the of rain. the three weeks of yeah. rain and like the, <laughs> the one that's got the little like Feathery feet, and we had to build a bridge for her to get across the like lake that was in front of. Because she was, they were just the chickens are so, and they're so happy now that the the sun is out and there's all this grass to eat and oh man, but yeah, taking care of the and it's the winter chickens. It was wet and it smells bad. And, yeah. And I think you made the right decision. <laughs> yeah. I think you made the right call there, Bernie. Well, and
3: we're like building them like this whole, like, oh, I mean, it's shit. not just a coop. It's It'll like be all t- the m- protection from m- the mountain lions and coyotes. I was going to say, lions. you have so some chicken. predators out there. <laughs> we're, we're trying yeah. to make sure they're secure whether somebody's present or not.
4: <laughs> and then make sure that you a list together of what you want planted in this other garden because i remember working at Benziger, we kind of i think we let the employees plant a garden and we ended up with 27 different types of peppers
3: i currently have yeah we we currently have like 15 and then we have an onslaught of just different styles of tomatoes and things like that we have corn rice or not rice um oh lord strawberries one uh, zucchini plant yeah yeah all Only the one. squash Sorry,
1: <laughs> well and the, we have the pumpkins. lots of of like m- different varieties of melon right because yeah you have a somebody you know, on the cantaloupe. team like you like drops a different weird vegetable or melon on your desk so, every day during the yeah,
3: summer or Dionisio. Dionisio, that's this is, is his 42nd year at monoroso and wow. He has the biggest garden. We call that his garden because he literally, like, every weekend will tend to it. And then even after work. And, yeah, like, people show up and they leave with a bag of produce. But I wake up to, like, watermelons on my porch (laughs) and watermelons in my office. And I'm like, I don't know who he thinks is eating all these. And I end up just, like, driving around Sonoma, like, dropping them on people's porches. Like, yeah, it's me. So, like, he... I mean, he's so proud of all of his produce. (laughs) It's also a little
1: bit of like, I got up. I was here before you were up, right? Isn't that? That's totally a little flex. He's been
3: working at Mono longer than I've been alive. You know, when
2: when Kenwood converted Yalupa over to organic farming, Chewy said one of the biggest benefits is that um, they would find random tomato plants in the, in the vineyard, in the vineyard and the guys they, tend them yep. yeah and and they hadn't been killed of course because yeah. they hadn't been sprayed right and it's a little snack for yeah. you for the whole year you can find um, the
3: bunnies collecting right. yeah. to them yeah. we yeah. find yeah. random stalks of corn we find tomatoes um we found a couple of watermelon plants in just like development. In, in the vineyard yeah like along where we've probably had to band something or <laughs> or, or trench it like right. you can tell we've Probably ran that same piece of equipment recently through the garden. Or, or, or
2: someone's eating a piece of watermelon and spit some seeds, seeds out. Yeah. But the guys um,
3: tend them, which is the funniest yeah, yeah. thing. Like That's awesome. You're walking like, all right, every weed around <laughs> it right, is right, gone. Right, right, right.
1: <laughs> the neatest, most <laughs> well cared <laughs> for part of this <laughs> yeah. entire block is a volunteer tomato <laughs> plant. What is going
3: on? could sell yeah, those for like, $7,000 Literally right alongside a grapevine and we're like, and like no one says anything and I think the worst part is like, I don't say anything, and I'm just walking along. Like, okay,
5: <laughs> okay I'm not gonna. Can say. You can't can
3: say take anything. this down. It's not gonna change anything anyway. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, when the guys <laughs> are cruising through repairing lines, it's, it's
1: biodiversity, right? I mean, really, I, 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 we're joking about it, but it really is. It's like, you know, you have happy bees out there yeah. who are flying around and pollinating tomato plants and squash blossoms, and it just, mm-hmm. um, it, it is the sign of a healthy system. Yeah. Right. If the, yeah. if random corn can grow in the middle of Monoroso, <laughs> things are going well, but right. Yeah. That's like, that's, a, that's why I look at
2: it. That's awesome. So um, how's it looking out there? How did, how did you guys, yeah, do, how did you do in, do the, in the, the, the rain?
3: We held up um, probably until the end of this last one when we got, I think we got five and a half inches across the 72 hours or so. Um, that's when all of our creeks were running one was flooded and it was like okay monorose was at capacity but i did i never had standing water so
5: (laughs) it just sounded great on the
3: ranch smelled really great and i don't know i'm I'm thinking this is going to be a pretty bountiful season just with all the rain we've gotten since october so there's
2: nothing like the sound of waterfalls water it sounds really
3: windy it sounds Mm -hmm. like it's actually wind but right. it's just all the water running yeah. rushing so through sounds, all the time yeah so that's it cool. sounds great
4: but you guys didn't lose any soil and for for those listeners that don't know monoroso yeah, it's. i mean might want to paint a little yeah. picture i mean you're up on moon mountain this is a this is hillside it's a steep- yeah a steep, um, steep grades and so you don't lose any of the soil at some point
3: we didn't have any erosion issues and actually huh. we don't experience a ton of erosion issues now i did have an oak tree crush my garage <laughs> that tree was was dying and we just missed all the signs of taking it down prior um but no erosion issues on the ranch are, are pretty minimal we don't have any slides or anything like that. And Montrose is also unique because it is a little bit,
2: right. yeah, so much rock. It, and it is a little bit of a plateau up there also, right? It sits in the or bench of the top, Maya Commons mountain bench. range. Yeah. yeah,
3: but I mean, within the property, no, 60% yeah. Yeah. of it is still on some degree of slope. Right. Um, I think the steepest we have is maybe 44 degrees right. um, mm-hmm. in some select areas. But we've taken those out of production, so we've just okay. thrown... And what's wild your wild.
0: highest uh, elevation there?
3: The vineyard goes from 690 feet up to 1,300 feet. So That's we're looking be fun up to walk at every Cayman. Day. Good. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking up at Cayman. We're next to Rupree. Um Amapola Creek is our neighbor just below us. Um, Rancho Salinas. Um, so, yeah, notable neighbors. But, yeah, to your point, Bart, Monterosa so really does sit on the bench yeah. within the mountain range. Yeah. So you can see us from a lot yeah, of vantage yeah. points.
1: Yeah. And you can see it from all over the Valley. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about like the Carriger road, part of the world, right. you know, playing golf at Sonoma country club where you right. like just like the best views of, of right. Monorosa right. and the whole moon. And, and then but
2: when you're, you're like down right on there. the, when you're in the, uh, Towards Kenwood and Glen Ellen, looking, it, right. it's like you you if you said that's Montarosti. You'd go, oh, it doesn't look very big, and it's because you're I'm only just seeing that little catching a little, catching the
4: top. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I just the, the reason I asked about erosion is I remember I think it was Diana Snowden that was on that was talking about being in Burgundy and remember when it would rain. Yeah, Do you guys remember this? And then they said all the. All the, the vineyard top. owners would end up at the bottom of the hill with wheelbarrows scooping so their soil back oh, in Lord. and then going back up to the top. She's like, anytime it rained like that, we just went and collected our soil at the bottom and then went and redistributed it back up at the top.
2: I mean, I don't think they have <laughs> so quite it's the... such a
4: such a French solution to that right. problem.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> because like... because I, I just I just don't think that they they don't think about that. I don't think they well, are but also, as active like we are, because I, when I was there, let me just finish my okay. thought when I was there on my honeymoon. And so it was in August um, many years ago, it was pouring rain in Burgundy and the dirt was running across the roads from the vineyards, across the roads into the lower vineyards. They're just, they don't have the cover crops that we get and they don't have the, they don't dig ditches, I guess.
1: I mean, I think that I also think that some of that is changing. I mean, right. You grow cover crops, but this was 20 years ago. So it's, too cold in the winter they don't get the winter cover crops that we get here that can help with the erosion control um but you know to the point of you know moon mountain in the storms like this basically the county requires you and you have to build erosion control as if you're gonna get five and a half inches in 72 hours after three weeks of of atmospheric rivers like this is what you prepare for you know there's One a, out of every ten years, you have to you know activate that, but well, and you know.
3: yeah, there's like levels to it too, depending on your slope. It's really aggressive. Like I will say, because we're always like Besco level two or more extreme. Like we have more erosion protection than probably necessary, but they come out and inspect yeah. and right. there was know, walk a the ranch with us.
2: There was a recently pulled out vineyard on Carragher Road um, that they threw down their straw and stuff and the first couple storms it was fine and then it was just silt running out you know yeah. and 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 it was like that the whole time so they didn't right. get those guys but and right, i don't, and I don't know what to what amount of silt is allowed and whatnot but it, i mean it was significant
1: but uh, supposed to be zero right yeah. that's what i thought no, creeks are supposed to i mean the the creeks that run off your property are supposed to run clear
2: right that's what i thought so.
3: with sediment catches those are all written in right. yeah well, it's it's a lot
2: this vineyard man's company didn't do a very You're good job. You're supposed to, like,
3: after every storm, be up, like, re-up and Right, out. that's what I thought. So, you
2: you walk the fields mm-hmm. and you check everything, and yeah. So anyway. You know,
0: we've had such beautiful <laughs> weather lately. Bad what's actors. going on in the field? I, you, we, we were talking earlier, and you said you actually saw a couple bud breaks?
3: Yeah, my lung, my young uh, cab frog. I don't know what's going on over there. It is a good sight, but I saw some of the more um, distant buds pushing. Yesterday, it's like oh, this is, awesome. is it, this, this is, is January. Pr- is it pruned? Not is it, pruned? Not pruned <laughs> so you know, energy is pushing through the vine. It's it's active. We're not going to prune it for a while, but it was, you know, we saw some green, we saw popcorning, and I just kind of walked around like, what is happening? And if you recall, last year I did have bud break in Zinfandel across a couple of different areas on the property on january
4: 24th i was there that day
3: Uh, (laughs) and i saw the look on her face i was literally like i went up there i I only went to the top of the ranch to like start troubleshooting our um wells because we we were in like the third week of 80 degree heat in january and so i figured we'd start flat or like um fleshing our lines and i saw this like very crisp like very bright green and i was like please be a weed and it wasn't a weed and i just had the tour group show up and i definitely was pretty spacey (laughs) during that tour because that was the first of three times that i had to scrap my plans last year so luckily we're not in that same predicament this year but you know to see the signs of it um vines are definitely bleeding right now so i like that we're going into a cool down but it'll probably be another early season for us and i think again you know this weather's great um we've had a lot of rainfall we had a lot of post harvest fertility that was really awesome and the vineyard was actually able to be dormant for five months which we have not been dormant that long in a very long time but uh, we finished harvest in 36 days (laughs) so um that vineyard had time to sleep and monorose is a very vigorous site so uh an early february bud break won't scare me as much as it has in the past this vineyard set up to to be really successful this year
2: what what was the last year to the two of your memories that we had a good dormant season?
3: Um, Maybe 2021, 20, and I will only say it was good because we finished early, but it was actually pretty rough because we just didn't receive any rain, right. and it was a really hot winter. Right. So because, I guess as far as I mean, timing between
2: harvest and pruning... 19? 19 it got pretty cold i mean what I, I mean i that's what i think of is it's like getting one getting down cold enough because there were some years that i don't even know if the, if the mean, soil started to cool really? down right
0: 2011
2: that's what i was thinking
3: yeah you gotta go back 2010 now. was cold
2: yeah but i mean like a true like dormant you know
3: uh, 15 into 16 and 16 into 17 were heavy rainfall years yeah. where you got like 66, 63 inches respectively at Monterosso. Mm-hmm. So that set up yeah. really good vintages. But both of those years, you're coming off of extreme drought. Right. So you're not really... You're just kind of offsetting some yeah. of it, but yeah. you're not really re- refilling those yeah. soil
1: profiles. What is your rainfall total for... This right now we're at 21 inches 21.
3: from October. So pretty solid um, average for us is 34. So I'm liking, yeah, I'm liking where we're at for sure. And like I said, I've not seen five months of dormancy for a very long time. So um, with that, all the composting we were doing, Um we went through pre-pruned in December and now my team is flying through. We're at about 50% completion with pruning now. So we're going to kind of switch um, since that's all of our old stuff. Um, we'll switch into weed control since uh, weeds are pretty small at this point. Um, wire repair, things like that. And then after February 15th, I'll jump back into pruning based on what this weather is doing.
1: Can you talk about that a little bit more like When you have, you know, when you're enterprise vineyards and you have all these different properties all over, you have sort of like a pruning plan that has to do with moving people and logistics. When you have 300 acres and there's all these different varieties and different vine ages and elevations and soils and aspects, how do you sort of like, what is your pruning priorities? What are like, what do you want to, it sounds like the old vines you want to get done first? Yeah. Like what's your kind of like, how do you kind of break that down a little Um, bit? sounds like. A really fun and also daunting problem.
3: (laughs) I'm staggering it based on you type of pressure and just disease pressure with the weather. So that was a big push for me not to do our standard December pruning. We typically get through about 100 acres in December and that's all the old stuff because it's already diseased. We probably don't have to spend the extra labor putting down too much, you know, protective material. But if you time it right, you can avoid putting material down. Uh, all together if you get out of those different disease points and so uh based on varietal susceptibility age of vine that's how i'll stagger the pruning so because we have oof, in the neighborhood of yeah about 55 acres of stuff over 100 years old like We'll prune that. <laughs> I like to delay in those because, you know, also with just yields and stuff, I'm not trying to stress those vines out and I want those to sleep the longest or as long as they can. Um, so we pre-pruned in there. But then as we get into stuff that's between now 25 and 50 years old, most of that stuff is now Cabernet Sauvignon, which is highly susceptible to utypa. So we're still trying to delay on that stuff. And then anything under 25 years old, we're trying to push to prune after february 15th um i think with the pre-pruning this year my team has flown through it uh they're moving too quickly um good problems to have but uh they're they're flying and they're doing really well so that's why we're gonna just shift and then do wire repair those kind of things um and then shift back we're also landscaping at this point because the weather's so nice people want to tour there's big (laughs) events coming there this year. a lot of events
1: (laughs) there's there's the moon mountain district thing and then what sounds like gonna be a bigger thing is your baby yeah shower. baby
3: shower has gotten way out of control um the moon mountain district event we're looking forward to we've yeah. got monoroso day immediately after that so yeah it's monoroso day monoroso day is when we bring out our top uh consumers from our membership and they get to spend a day drinking old library wines hanging out on the vineyard hearing stories um, we're actually taking them through a master class similar to what we 're doing for the moon mountain district event um but just really trying to incentivize uh our membership to stay with us cool. and then to just enjoy you know stuff that they don 't get access to yeah. all the time so these
1: are you'd be a member of louis martini louis and right martini right? yeah
3: and is this is this
4: people that are purchasing for restaurants, hotels, and stores, or is this personal collectors
3: these are personal collectors from our membership
4: um Do you want to send any of them down here if they want a little break in between
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Brene, so can you speak a little bit? um, You're converting to organic. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Can you speak a little bit to um, the challenges you've already come up with, challenges that are in the back of your mind, and, and what it was like having those discussions with the folks at Gallo?
3: i'm gonna start backwards how I <laughs> that's had probably to, the way it should be that's, that's how i had to get here um so we'd always entertained it obviously being so centrally located in moon mountain district where it's what 97 percent probably certified organic there's probably i think we're, yeah. we're one of three producers that aren't certified mm-hmm. at this point um that had always been kind of a talking piece of, you know, you are the mm-hmm. Monoroso Vineyard. Why aren't you why aren't you um, you know, pushing forward with going organic like most of the AVA? Um but I mean, it wasn't something people like
2: Phil Katuri and yeah, yeah. those guys yeah. like yeah. saying that to Phil's you? always
3: been very pleasant, but Phil is not shy about really letting you know what he's <laughs> what he's putting down. <laughs> and I've always picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as if you had any other choice yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least that's how i feel about it <laughs> yeah um so it's always been a conversation piece but um you know i guess as a company like it has to it has to check more than just a few boxes of being yeah. good for x y and z so um uh, when we brought it back up in 2019 2020 it was like okay we really have to look at this because now i'm selling oodles of, of fruit I'm um, selling about 40% of the production that comes off of Monoroso. And a lot of these new um, producers only want to source from organically certified or softly farmed vineyards. Um, being certified sustainable just wasn't enough. And certainly as we saw what two years ago was kind of this transition of consumers really paying attention to where uh, where things were being sourced from, how things were being farmed. We wanted to be a part of that. Um, So we went through an eight week um, investigative process. I've visited with Phil on a number of properties. Um, We went to a couple of other uh, vineyard management companies uh, higher up near Eureka and was kind of looking at what some of their challenges were. And the consensus for us was that it was going to be weed control and then our tillage program and then irrigation. And then this... What I think is a little bit dated of this concern of yields being shot. <laughs> Everyone kept saying we were going to lose, you know, thirty to fifty percent of our crop in year three. And
4: wait, why?
1: Why would that be? And there's there's the, uh, frankly, wrong, a fallacy that yeah, it's like that organic organic farming results in lower yields. Yeah, results in like you, one like, have to time to the acre. You know, because you're going to, ha- and then you're going to lose more to pest and, and yep. mildew and mold. Yeah. and You know, the reason that organic vineyards at Enterprise Vineyards Farms are low yielding is because <laughs> the they cut, cut all the fruit <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. So there was. A s- up the average. Right. <laughs> like, obviously your fruit is your money. So when you hear something as dramatic as that, especially from people who have been farming for 20, 30 years, you know, that's a huge red flag for anyone trying to be uh successful financially uh farming a vineyard but for us monoroso always has lower yields especially you know with 25 percent of the ranch being over 100 years old. <laughs> um and we've never operated trying to be a cash cow in that way like it's qualitative uh quality over quantity so um it was a lot of investigative pieces to like overthrow this outdated idea that we were going to lose a lot and after we worked through all the financials it wasn't a huge shift because of all the operational challenges that Montrose is already against like for ever, since i've been farming it our fungicide plan has been at least 60 percent organic it's now 100 uh we moved away from roundup in 2019 we moved away from all herbicides in 2021 um so those weren't huge shifts for us. Um, And I'd be lying if I said the vineyard isn't still um, seeing the benefits of years and years of Roundup. Um, But with the old vines, we're not able to get herbicides really in there because of how low some of the positions get, uh, how early those vines pop. So a lot of the operational challenges kept us to a lot of organic practices anyway. So it wasn't a huge shift to pull the trigger. And then I treated vintage 2022 is kind of year zero let's let's see if it works because no one actually told me no that we weren't gonna go organic i love this (laughs) so i just how i operate a lot of times no one told me no and no one told me yes so i just text a couple of powers that be and said hey i'm I'm gonna run this way i'm gonna prove that it works because if i can prove year one works then year two and three will be easier and uh they said you know just don't let anything Go haywire, pull the trigger when you need to. Um, so, the only thing that I did. Don't fuck up. You got <laughs> yeah. this.
2: Don't fuck it up. That's you got pretty this. much it. You can do it. Don't fuck it up.
3: <laughs> and um, yeah, last year we did 100% organic on fungicides and zero herbicides, and I still kept the fertility at 50%. Um, due to cost, unforeseen cost. And then this year, we're transitioning all of the fertility over to so my start date is some point midsummer last year. Um, but we will be we'll be getting it. And I think the concerns that I see are just young development vines, um, getting those established um, and, and keeping the weed pressure low in there. We utilize the Chemco, we do a couple of me- mechanized like hand implements and things like that. But I'd say that would be my concern um and then the biggest learning that we had last year is that i need a lot more money in weed control <laughs> um but yields were fine um, i mean it
2: really is all about weed control isn't it
3: yeah it's yeah. weed control making sure you know your timing is right i will right. say something that i'd already had in practice for some of the farming passes was that now everything should probably be done in two and three sh- two and three like shifts like you're probably not going to go and have a dramatic one touch and be done right. like shoot thinning is probably yeah. going to take part over two different phases leaf removal is now maybe going from two to three different phases so i'm able to space things out and again a luxury of Moneroso is that everything is done by hand right. with the same people right. year after year so the experience level of my team is perfect yeah. for that and they stay at Monterosso so when we have to split off pods of people to farm the inner plants separately versus the old thing old vines, we can do that. Um but yeah, I would say one of my concerns is those inner plants and then young vines, getting yeah. those established, getting them sustainable. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if weed control was bad was tough last year with no rain. This, year, this year is yeah. gonna be a weed so we're control pulling year for sure. Yeah,
3: we're pulling mm-hmm. the trigger pretty early on weed control. We'll be transitioning to that next week. But Yeah, you you stay constant on weed control. Um, We're going to introduce sheep. Um, I'm hopeful we'll do that pretty soon. But the weed control is a costly. And then, of course, too, now that you've moved away from herbicides, we have about 70 acres of terrace. So people are out there with weed eaters. That is incredibly labor intensive absolutely okay so so you,
4: so you have a crew up there some of them that have worked there decades have you gotten a little bit of pushback from some of the some of the veterans about converting to organic
3: mm-mm. no no i i got buy-in from my team a couple years ago on new ideas um i think i talked about this on the first interview with you guys but it took me like a year and a half maybe two years to really gain their trust and respect as far as why we, we may be changing things or here's why we're doing something. And I take them to tastings. I bring all the accolades back to them. So when I have a new idea, they're more vested in like learning why, and they know that they have um, total opportunity to, to push back and it's not going to be frowned upon. So my guys like to have that, that vested ownership, um, and I can usually explain why we're doing something and have a pretty good reception yeah. to it. So no, I'm yeah. just
4: thinking you're talking about doing more passes, you're talking about a lot of weed control. So I mean, are they like how oh, this is the least favorite part of our job?
3: No, I would <laughs> say because I mean I don't I don't know how much time you've spent with like a vineyard crew, but those guys want to <laughs> want to be there. Yeah. And I will say that's why yeah. we have guys that have decades of dedication to the ranch um because for all those labor intensive parts we're barbecuing Mm -hmm. those guys have their gardens (laughs) they literally hand me a list and say i need all these things and even though some of them are a little pricey i'm like i'm gonna get it and you know they're bringing their families out to the ranch um yeah i i don't think i think we all roll our eyes at some of the tougher parts of the job but Mm -hmm. those guys are so invested in monterosso i'm actually concerned about when i'm gonna have to force them to retire so <laughs> uh, <laughs> um like they're just not keen on doing that
0: is new labor a problem for you
3: uh luckily no um but we're also paying on the higher end of um general labor for for associates to come and join us
0: you keep a team year round, though
3: yes right and again i think um i'm definitely not a hard ass they do know like not to test me <laughs> they all know i take i'm boxing. not a hard ass but i have been one <laughs> well they, unless okay. i
1: have to be well, <laughs> well
3: like during the pandemic um my boxing coach actually set up punching bags <laughs> in the arbor area so like <laughs> the guys would roll by and right. i'm down there like punching and they'd stop yeah, <laughs> and, like, make sure point. and schedule a little little <laughs> yeah. drive-bys yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely not gonna
1: complain about doing some weed eating to her
3: (laughs) so yeah it was kind of a joke like some of the new guys that just like weren't part of the team for very long would think that they could get one over on me and a lot of people don't understand i can understand spanish so like they'd be over there saying talking mess and like i just see all the older guys like shaking their head like oh no we're gonna have to talk to them and then the (laughs) new guy at some point in the year would come up to me and be like Oh, so like every time you're leaving, you're going to your boxing class, you box. And so it's like this running joke of we'll like crack your knuckles. What's yeah. it to you, man? Yeah. <laughs> As I'm handing him a weed eater. like right.
1: <laughs> No, no complaints, Brian. They've had no complaints. Yeah.
3: I, I don't know. So yeah, I don't, I'm not a hard ass. I definitely don't micromanage. And I think giving them ownership pretty early on in my leadership, like has made them understand that i do not operate in a sense that i'm up here and you guys are there um and i try and do everything that they do i'm definitely the weakest link and now that i'm pregnant like they don't really let me do too much so there's just a very great level of respect between everybody um and and they do feel the same amount of ownership that i feel so i like that we were able to cultivate that at the ranch And we, yeah, we don't get a whole lot of pushback when we have harder tasks coming our way. No,
4: and I and and I just remember the last time I think you were on, we were talking about you wanting to do something different in the vineyard. And it was one of the veteran guys that was like, oh, oh wait yeah. a minute, like, yeah, with this, because people get like that with their jobs. Like, we've done this a certain way for a certain amount of time. And then like, wait, why are we changing this? And, and do they understand that it translates, you know, what the um, what the results are going to be? is is that this is going to be better fruit hopefully um and then ultimately do you guys get more money for if it's certified organic then you're going to get even more per ton for the fruit
3: that typically yes um something that i've had to really watch is like we're gonna flood the market now um you know having as much fruit as i have available um I, we'll be able to push price um but the, i i am concerned with just how that's going to compete with neighbors and things like that we definitely sell the most fruit out of that ava um save for like maybe kundi but i don't think a 100 percent in they're you know, not 100 percent in and, and i don't
1: know how much of it they sell and yeah, forty
3: percent for me is about two hundred and fifty yeah. tons. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think anybody. They probably no sell all the stuff well. down. No on one the flats comes anywhere. Yeah, anywhere yeah. no close way. to that. No one. And yeah, my neighbors like came in, sells a little bit of fruit. I, I, uh, he,
1: I don't think he really does anymore, though. He okay. did for a while, uh, but I now mean, they've gotten to the point where with the they're, I think they're taking it off. Los
2: Shamas I mean, Los Shamas all. Okay, that would that they, would be. They definitely do, but not.
1: That's sixty acres, right?
2: Yeah, and that's almost all sold. Um, it's, it is all sold, you know, and it's, um, it's farmed softly, you know, but, but he has no intention of organic and yeah. and quite frankly, who he's selling it to, they're Doesn't not know. paying him anything for it. So, right. I mean, yeah, not really. they really, aren't. I
3: think that would be another concern of mine though. You know, I'm now putting 250 acres of organically certified. Well, fruit. no, that's what I mean. Yeah, I no, think that, I think because that are there that.
2: buyers for the 250 oh, you know, yeah. for those, you know, I mean, cause you're not uh, just
3: getting like you know high quality fruit you're paying for the name yeah. as well monoroso right. um has a legacy that stands on its own but you are paying for the name and we talked about this prior to um our, today's interview but uh that's kind of the whole thing even with the grape sales and how i manage that like right. we are expecting that name to propel you forward to get you better yeah. scores yeah. to get people more attracted to your brand and what you're doing it gives you exposure to the rest of your portfolio. That's what we are saying you're paying for. So um, I think with that in mind and knowing that we're flooding, you know, a pretty small market at this point, it's like, Oh, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to raise price so much that I, you know, now push people out because it just isn't sustainable. So as I'm kind of learning in this winery relations piece, it's like, there's a limit to, you know, aligning myself with what, my external producers are doing i have to take into account their brand story their demographic um this was a conversation i was having with tegan tegan vasilaqua he just released his 2020 zen his 2021 just scored really well um but he you guys know tegan he's mm-hmm. a tough cookie Mm -hmm. I'm a tough cookie. Um, I love the relationship that we have now.
5: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well-qualified. A well-qualified statement.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But Tegan's a tough cookie. And um, when he brought out his 2020 and 2021 for trademark er, approval, because I have trademark authority, um, we talked about it. He goes, you know, you're charging X for this, but this will now be our... um, most expensive wine. And our demographics used to paying, you know, between forty and sixty dollars. We're now pricing this at sixty five. And you're saying in your agreement you want to see, you know, higher prices by, you know, twenty twenty five. So like, how does that work alongside everybody? And it was really then that the wheels got spinning, like, okay. I'm pushing and doing this, but am I going to force somebody like Tegan and, and that iconic team out because of my goals over here? So how do I balance that of getting the value that I know this fruit is worth, but also meeting my increased farming costs year after year, but also aligning with these brands that I want to have continuity with yeah. that do stay in a pretty relative price point
2: I, I i mean what you've done up there and what gallo's done i mean this is not the gallo that we grew up with right like it's so awesome to see the evolution you know and i know the vineyard's always been quality focused and stuff but it was also always in house for the most part yeah. you know um it, it's it's awesome it's awesome to hear to see how gallo is evolving and 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 how you guys are doing with it it's pretty cool thank you I know, that was kind of a backhanded compliment. No, a little no, bit well, no, I, no, I,
3: no. I, I get it. Okay. I, mean, yeah. I, okay. I mean,
2: it's family. Gallo is a family I, I, business, I, I, right? I understand that, and Brian. Come from farmers. Yeah, but I understand that. But there was a time where, you know, when they had the Gallo-Sonoma program, that, you know, the talk around the county was, you know, if Gallo-Sonoma takes off the way they wanted to, there won't be any grapes for anyone else but Gallo, you know? I mean, it was like this... Behemoth, and they were so powerful. And it was, you know, nobody really thought of it as being... They talked quality, but no one ever really ever saw it. There were hits and misses along the way. And now it seems like it's really taking off. And And I'm trying to pay a compliment.
3: <laughs> yeah, I will say, I mean...
2: And not I,
1: wake up with a horse head in
2: his
0: bed tomorrow morning.
3: Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: I mean, I really am. Bart, this. Actually, This doesn't Bart, come out for 10 days. You have 10 days to make fruit? it to Mexico, Bart. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Bart, there is... No,
0: there's no question. Costa Rica. That Somewhere the, with no extradition. The, the image has changed in the last 30 years. That's it.
3: I will say even in the last five, I mean, I'm going on yeah. 10 years yeah. with the company. I feel very old saying that, but um, we held Montero so close to the chest up until 2019. Like we were utilizing it everywhere. And I would say we were underselling ourselves because we were putting... You know this these great properties into these value wines that you could pick up in Safeway. so i will say i completely understand bart's point because our focus is no longer trying to be really for everybody at least in the category that monoroso sits in um we'll always own you know the bottom two shelves to make sure those entry-level wine drinkers have something accessible to them oh, okay. Hey man, the red. That's why we're all sitting here. Yeah, red is my heart. But you know, when we have properties like Monterosso or Stagecoach or Rancho Real down on the coast, now we can really extrapolate what those vineyards can produce and highlight them as standalones, as vineyard designates, and and sell them to these producers who are going to you know, further the cause, but also bring awareness and attention to vineyards that are iconic like that. So the ideas have changed and the yeah. business models have changed. And I think that's why I have so much flexibility to be like, yeah, we, we need to pull the trigger on this. Let's let's move forward. And and there's so much more reception than there was even in 2014 yeah. when we did have certified organic blocks.
1: What year did Gallo buy Martini and Monoroso?
3: 2002. 2002. So they bought martini monoroso and then a vineyard called sage canyon out in Charles valley that was all part of the martini yep
4: wait do they still own that vineyard yeah so nyers i think sources out of that sage sage canyon
3: i'm right? unsure whose sources okay. from there but um yeah i it had was no idea a- that they had that well a- can, can we
5: actually
4: take a moment to
1: um shout out all the people that you are selling grapes to from there now because um, I-, I believe that Part of the reason you should sell them grapes for a premium price is that, you know, when you talk about it and post it on your Instagram, that's that's part of what they're buying. So, um Tegan, this one's for you. This is part of your <laughs> what I'm guessing. Yeah. Oh, I won't say the number, but I think I know the number based on that bottle price, Uh, you know, worthy price per ton.
3: Um, Price so, per Sandland's ton. Sandlands, obviously. Right. Uh, no, no. It Tur- oh. Oh, it's Turley yeah this is for turley, is for turley. Yeah. Okay. you want to know the price for Turley? no 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 Oh, i was like <laughs>
1: no Oof. you know unless you want to say that, no to no
3: say that. I, no because there might be somebody <laughs>
1: who's getting a different price for that I don't, yes. don't, don't mess up that no no just the the producers because it's a yeah. it's an impressive roster that's certainly evolved in the last few years um yeah so, and, somebody you know, that... there's the stalwarts but there's some cool new names on that list yeah so, so sh- shout some people out
3: soon um subscribe so uh is now making a cabernet sauvignon they actually just released their 2020 back in november what can't
4: they do at scribe
3: <laughs> <laughs> um we have brown estate bedrock's been a long time producer since 2008 bialy since 1995 um i'm really really excited about Hill of Tara we'll see their wine oh, 2024 oh, no, the the who's
1: that i don't know. It's, Danny. Just, <laughs> it's some like irish Who? thing um, i don't know i'm super
3: excited with his wine um jeez i can't even list them off we're we're gonna see um yeah Artie johnson wine xyz i'm super pumped for his so he's doing a zen and a petite Syrah that we'll see in a couple years um vengi we'll actually see pretty soon 26 bricks um lambert bridge has been somebody i've been i love jennifer higgins um drew Damsky at palmieri makes oh, yeah. probably mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful semions i had that um, the other
1: day actually it was great yeah, yeah
3: drew does a great job uh gagnon and kennedy mark gagnon and michael kennedy mm-hmm. their project they work with eight iconic and historical vineyards between sonoma and napa um geez who else there's a lot we have lioko coming on
5: oh cool um wow, so that'll man. be
3: really exciting um let's see uh charlie larue wines so uh katie wilson mm. and Dave minces uh, we should actually see reeves first sangiovese coming this year um it's like 40 producers so i no. apologize to anybody i'm missing because there's there's so many now um well,
1: we'll throw a list of tags on the Instagram post or something. It's
3: it's a lot yeah. of people. So that started picking up in twenty twenty. I had seventeen buyers. Twenty twenty one I had thirty four. Last year at forty. Um I'll I'll stay hovering around yeah. forty. Oh, one that I can't miss. reprie is back. So uh, cool. uh surprise into, variety bear. Into Pangloss or into Reprie? I believe this will be going to Pangloss. Okay, so okay I was going to gonna say, new... why
4: would Reprie buy fruit from right? I mean, because everybody, everybody, everybody needs more group grapes, man. Uh,
3: well, uh, and, and Reprie was making um, a Zen and a Cab mm. uh, up until 2015, I want to say. And then now we've brought them back for San um, uh
2: Limerick Lane.
3: Limerick Lane. Oh my gosh, how could I miss them? Um, they made a beautiful Zinfandel. Um uh what's his name?
2: The surfer guy that just got one of the best Zins uh Dry Creek producer, but he's Kokomo. Cool. Kokomo. Yeah,
3: Kokomo. I'm actually visiting uh, with them on Monday, <laughs> the surfer right? guy. Yeah, he's a surfer. Um yeah, I'm I'm meeting with Eric and Randy on Monday. Uh it's the bulk of our producers are in Zinfandel, actually. Uh we have Nottingham Cellars which is a group out of um Livermore. They're now based in Napa um they made a beautiful zinfandel we have brian wise back um with petite Syrah. so we'll see that probably next year um so yeah lots of people
4: Brene, who because i remember there was a point when when there wasn't a lot of people sourcing out of that vineyard and then you slowly started bringing back Mm who i mean who gets to decide and what do you decide based on it's all me (laughs) i'm and not kidding really
3: that's my maniacal like ursula laugh so you yeah
4: no i believe nailed it,
3: yeah. <laughs> um,
4: yeah. and, I'm and it. Yeah. so you have 100% I mean, control you to over who is you save, buying that fruit
3: it's like 95 percent. i do have uh, superiors wow. but um when I'm vetting a new producer, I, you know, Montrose is a very unique wine. I actually should have brought some, I apologize. Um,
1: but, I guess you're not thinking about wine this much these days.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it smells great. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's such a unique wine. I'm always kind of looking at somebody's portfolio. So I'm looking at their legacy, what they're doing, you know, are they on the up and coming? Are they part of the old guard? What is their portfolio's Um you know, medium price point, things like that, but also what's their lineup. Can I'll say this one sticks out to me for Lyoko. This will be their first Cabernet Sauvignon right. along one, with one that is going to be Sonoma County, I believe. Um, but they're, you know, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And so yeah. it's like, okay, we really leaned heavily on the group that is Lyoko. They're iconic, you know, they're in really great spaces. So where can this wine potentially go? Um, If we're in agreement there, I've tasted through their portfolio. I like what could happen. And we talk through what they're trying to make their wine be. Um, That'll give me an idea of what blocks we have available and where we might be able to best farm to get to that. Um, so I won't show everybody everything, just mm. kind of getting an idea of like, OK, what can we manipulate in the field to get them as close to this wine style as possible? Mm. Have them out to the ranch um, and then we'll determine anybody for the first time working at Mono Rosso gets a one year agreement. And that's mostly to make sure you and I get along. Mm. Um, cause- make sure the
0: check clears. <laughs>
3: Um, just cause you know, we know, time payment. <laughs> <laughs> I know my, my team's going to farm good grapes and I expect that you're going to make good wine, but it's agriculture. So if things yeah. go wrong, um, and we have to have tough conversations, I don't want to stop that. I don't want that to stop us from having a beer outside of work. Like I don't want a negative conversation to to be taken outside or affect our personal relationship if we have one, Um, because things do go wrong. And I think these last two vintages kind of (laughs) prove that. (laughs) Um, When I have to send a text at the start of Harvest saying, hey, I'm probably gonna meet 65% of your contract, you know, that's a tough conversation to have. so and and i'll i'll show you know as many carts as i can um and even before the ink is dry like we're going through my farm plan so like when we settle on however many blocks or varieties that you want um i'm walking through my farm plan and saying this is more or less what we do year to year and then i'm giving people a two weeks heads up before every major farming class so i'll I'll write an email and say. more or less what we're doing if you guys want to try something else i'm all ears come on out to the ranch before my my team jumps in so um it's a very collaborative process um but you do have to have some notoriety of your own of you're not just you know going to be hanging out like i want to see that you're out in market you're pushing it because effectively the benefit for me too is you having that trademark and selling it for me scoring really well because that just builds the equity back for us Um, with that being said i do want to build continuity as well so again i don't want to outprice you um and i want to make sure that what wine you're creating is complementary to what's happening with the rest of our producers and certainly what's going on at louis and martini um and i want it to be reflective of what the vineyard was going through for that vintage. So stylistic points aren't really something that I'm going to pay hard attention to um, because we now have a range. I'd say Gallows on the the far right where we do utilize a lot of oak. We are higher alcohol. But then you have somebody maybe on the far left like the Yoko, a super, super lean Cabernet Sauvignon. That's just a very different style. I want to see that. But I don't want to see something that You couldn't tell, didn't come off of Monoroso. So I'm looking at a couple different things. And then I have four qualitative check marks um, each year. So to get final approval on the trademark, even if I gave you an agreement, is me tasting before you go to bottle. And then I do approve all labels as well. What
0: kind of, what what's the biggest failure in your expectations that you've seen somebody produce? A, a Simply a bad wine or, or, I mean, where you had yeah. to have a really tough conversation with them about, about, about what they were producing?
3: Uh, It's typically around Zin. Our Zins just don't play by anybody's rules. So like you can pick in field at 24 bricks. You'll get it in tank at 26, 28 bricks. You start picking higher than that. You start to see a higher degree of soak up. Um, so you can almost expect that, that, that fermentation is going to stick. Um, I hope Tegan doesn't kill me, but his stayed stuck for about 20 months <laughs> and it turned into a beautiful wine. but that's something that's one of the longest, you know, times stuck in fermentation that we've ever seen. And I know he was particularly nervous about it, but
4: never saw my Roussan.
3: well and 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 i was i wasn't nervous because i I typically 26
1: bricks though probably he
3: picked i think he was he actually picked first in 2020 so um to see it stick for as long as it did it wasn't making me too nervous because i just know the the ability of his team um but that can go wrong if you're not really paying attention to the wine and he like i said created a beautiful wine that's not the case for some of the others and producers from that year and it totally got away and you started seeing you know 11 12 13 grams of residual sugar you know now you've got a port on your hands (laughs) like so if i see like a loss of control like that then you know we we probably can't rectify it so i will reject trademark i had to reject trademark um, and that—that's—I mean—you're effectively calling somebody's kid ugly. So, like, when you yeah. take away that right to yeah. use the name, you know, I wish I had a better <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I very much doubt you'll come to regret that one. Right. It's possible.
3: Right. <laughs> right? Come on, King. King.
1: <laughs> stakes are high, buddy. <laughs> yeah,
3: stakes are super high. If if, if we come very out very bar here. you're not a 10 it was your dad um
2: (laughs) (laughs) let's be honest everything bad anyway in all cases
3: (laughs) but um yeah that's that's a tough conversation and and actually when i was having that conversation i'll bring you know our wine or whatever they request but that's that's just tough because Art, I think wine is art, and, and, you know, people are putting a lot of time and energy into it. So I'll hear out, you know, everything that we might be able to rectify or mitigate or stuff like that. But once I reject, you also don't get to buy from us again. So it's wow. like no second chances. Yes. Um, and and someone... we'll help you. We'll, we'll extend an olive branch. You still have to sell that wine. Um, like a lot of people have been able to, like, rectify the wines. For us, we're out. Because I do believe one bad apple kind of spoils it for everybody, and because there is a price difference between trademark and non trademark fruit for the people who have the trademark, I would think it would be a huge disservice to, you know, have a bad wine out there. Um, so we will extend the olive branch of like how can we help you sell this and, and be successful because you still have wine that's in tank or you're going to do something. Because, wait with a minute,
4: do then. If you then deny them trademark, but they have basically paid for that, then are they getting some sort of payback on the cost of the grapes? No. So they screwed it up. So it's on them.
3: Once it leaves the vineyard, it is no longer under our insurance, anything. And again, this goes back to that confidence of I gave you this trademark agreement at the start of the contracting process because I had full confidence yeah. You were gonna get this wine uh, to market. Mm-hmm. So
4: tough being the boss. If someone were to, <laughs> if, if someone were to bring he a gift, the crown. If someone were to bring a gift to you, what sort of gift would it be? That would,
3: right. <laughs> what are a few I mean, of your
4: favorite things, Brene? I
3: I don't know. I I will say, like it's interesting because obviously there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen. I have the authority over monoroso but i still have to present to the powers that be so i do sit yeah. down with our executive leadership team with all of the wines and i have to have full notes of why we're selling to somebody and even when uh the powers that be push back i can go to bat and say this makes sense and more times than not i've just gotten all right if this goes wrong like you have to be willing to you do, can do the it. hard part good luck too. <laughs> yeah pretty much on some of the ones that Don't you know lie. are are pretty contentious i'll go to bat for them And I have to have full notes. I have to have all the wine uh, chemistries and things like that and talk to it. So even I'm about to do my my big executive tasting in March. But when I'm going and picking up these unfinished wines, I'm having the trust of those winemakers to give me an unfinished wine with my winemaking team in the building to explain, you know, this is in the middle of malactic, or this is in the middle of something to say, this isn't a bad wine, it's incomplete, but it is still showing the trend of the vintage. We like where it's headed. Okay, Bernie, you get the other three qualitative assessments to say, give them the thumbs up. I,
2: I mean, again, I'm going to go back to my my statement of like, what a what a great thing and what a commitment to quality Gallo's doing there. And, and because, think about it, they're doing this for these little, all these little one and two ton lots, five ton lots. And like, yeah. it's a lot of work and, and they're doing it because they want to do well by the vineyard and again it's all quality i, I again i would
3: say awesome. too i i think i i think Monterosa is a vehicle like it, you think of sonoma county and there's probably 10 to 15 vineyards that i would say are grand crew and Monterosa is definitely near the top if not at the top of that list um i think we have a little bit of an identity crisis being in sonoma county people have like this uh I'm blanking on what I'm trying to say, but we always kind of look at ourselves as like the ugly stepchild to Napa. I'm like, And we're not, but how do we really present to people coming in from out of town to to visit us? 19 ABAs, <laughs> like you can't do even like really two in a day. Like, how are you really bringing people to the area? And so I will say when I'm kind of mapping out who I'm selling to and where they're based and all these different things, it's like, okay, if I can pull somebody up to cloverdale because they've got a monoroso and i've got this heat seeker of a consumer looking for all things monoroso like how do we drive them over there and then oh by the way we've got all this these other wines from these other producers or vineyards or what what have you and same thing with even pushing over into napa like how do we get those people over here so how do we like utilize this vineyard to um really propel The wineries that are here, the wineries that do lean heavy on Sonoma County and elevate it because, you know, we aren't the ugly stepchild. We're just the one that left home at 18. (laughs) Are there are there any other didn't go to finishing school? Yeah, yeah. We had to work retail all through college, but, you know, we're hard workers. (laughs) Are there
0: any other vineyards out there that are as strict about quality as you are?
3: And I would say, yes, Um, I think I just tend to maybe have a little bit more of a spotlight, given all my other (laughs) attributes Um, and the fact that I'm on social media and things like that. I think I think more and more people are being uh, more protective around a vineyard designation and having more stipulations um, and, and really trying to hone in on that value. Um, because we're seeing more and more of it. Um, so
0: this is kind of a brand new thing, Sam. When did this start?
1: Oh, I mean, I think that if you're farming a a brand name vineyard, this is part of the process. I mean, yeah. it's in, it's in it's you know it's fairly standard in the contract if you're going to use a vineyard designate on fruit that you're purchasing that the the purch- the, the the seller the winery. I mean, not the wine, the vineyard or whoever owns the vineyard or or farms the vineyard in this case, it's going to have some say in, you know, whether or not that wine gets to actually have the vineyard name on it. Because, yeah, 100 percent, like Brené said, if you're selling fruit from a top name, top price vineyard and somebody's out there fucking it up, you can't sell fruit to that person anymore. And you don't want them to put that name on that label. So, I mean, that's it's. You know, it's not totally typical because not every vineyard
3: has that, has that cachet. Yeah. Right.
1: Uh, but, you know, Oakville Ranch, Tokelon, to- yeah. you know, anything, Ross. any of the Beckstoffer stuff. Rossi's Rossi's a, a little bit different. Um, it's not, you know, it's first of all, it's not nearly the volume. Um, but anybody, you know, any, anytime that it's a brand name vineyard, there's some say. But I, I would seem it, it was what I was thinking as you were talking about this probably when you were here last you weren't as involved in the tasting part of it and the Mm -hmm. like getting to taste the wines and sort of connect what's happening and what you see in the vineyard to what actually comes out in the glass
3: i was just taking it over that was my first year of really taking it back so we introduced six people back in 2019 and then it exploded in 2020 and now because you know i'm literally with executive leadership going to bat for all these producers and and you know now really promoting monoroso in that way like i have my hand in the middle of the yeah. pot where even for our internal programs like people are coming to me like does this make sense can you do more with it over here like who's doing what yeah. so it's expanded my ability to just have control over monorozo. So. Well, and
1: it's got to be the coolest thing to taste all these different expressions and definitions yeah. of ripeness and you know what all these different winemakers are wanting to do. But I'm sure you know, I would love to do this. I would love to spend a day tasting these wines with you uh, totally. to see the through line of what Monoroso is. So even if it's you know scribe making a cabernet and and you know with their stylistic leanings towards you know what the the martini expression of it is and everything that's in between there um would be a fascinating taste are we gonna get to do that tasting so, yeah exactly. is that like an idea
3: in my mind so i started it last year but we do a producer day where all of the producers come with their wines and mm-hmm. we all get to taste and kind of talk through that's my opportunity to uh, present the information of monoroso to make sure everybody's, you know, telling the same story, at least of the vineyard. And then I want to hear how they're selling the wine because, again, it's a club, not a competition. So I set up the contracts so that you can only make 250, 300 cases of wine. And I know you're going to run out. And when you do, who are two or three or four other counterparts that you want to point your buyer to to there go and go. taste at? Because Gallo will forever make the most diverse lineup of monoroso wines and will always make the most right. so when you guys run out <laughs> you know
5: right.
3: i hope you're you're bringing people back home right. so how are these wines playing together how are they tasting it was really fun seeing all five of our producers out of this one cab block you know tasting together and they all had five very different wines um Limerick Lane, Brown Estate, and Turley pull from the same blocks. And those are three very different wines I've had a chance to taste back to back. And it's like, whoa. But I'm thinking with the producer day, it's going to be at Monterosso this year. I need to make that like a ticketed Mm. event because something I learned with (laughs) the first. I'd buy that ticket. The first first year that we did it. Actually, (laughs) the first time we did it, I didn't realize a lot of those winemakers hadn't even met each other. And I was like, how don't you know about this person? Spend
1: all their time in their own cellar. Yeah. (laughs)
3: And so it was really cool to see You know all these people coming together Off of a vineyard and they're all making these Very different you know point of view Wines So
1: the difference I want to when you taste like the Three Zinfandels Or those five Cabernets What's the what are the similarities What are you like when you taste those wines What's the thread that's like Oh yeah that's Monoroso Like so because I mean My assumption would be when you're doing these trademark approvals, that that's part of it too, right? You have to make a wine that is still true to the vineyard, the vineyard, right? Yeah,
3: true to the place. Um, I'll say with uh, those three producers, two of the old vine blocks are block E13 is down at 800 feet elevation. And block E25 is up between 1,000 and 1,100 feet elevation um, and is on a true southwest facing slope whereas e13 is relatively flat but then uh leans north or like heads north um, and is cooler so like from those cooler spots i know we're gonna see a lot of floral like aromatics it's gonna be a lot softer on the profile it's still gonna have like a really nice vibrancy with uh, acidity it's gonna be a little bit more earthy and then when married with e25 You're now going to see a lot more spice. You're going to get a lot more of that classic terroir from the iron rich soils. Um, And you're also going to get a lot more density, like with the tannins and just a heavier, bigger, bolder style. Um, And again, they pulled from different sections of those two same blocks. And for me, I was looking for, I guess, different ratios of what each of those blocks would do. Um, Those producers are picking within two or three days of each other so we're not seeing dramatic bricks differences but those different aspects of each of those blocks that they're mm-hmm. pulling from gives you enough differentiation where you don't have the three looking identical right. Um and even like the conversation I was having with Chris Bittenger of Limerick Lane like he didn't want this big jam bomb coming into your mouth like he didn't want something that was kind of going to blow you away he wanted something A little bit more elegant, a little bit more refined, Um, wasn't going to be super sweet, whereas Brown Estates is a little bit sweeter. Um, But he did want to accentuate like Zinfandel having layers and really still showcasing that acidity that kind of floats through the the profile. So I would say across all the varieties, you do see some degree of acidity. It's way more pronounced in our Cabernet Sauvignon. But I'm looking for that. I'm looking for a little bit of herbaceousness in the cab. Um, I'm looking for that earthiness. Um, not necessarily looking for the heat that we will get if you start really pushing past 28 bricks. Um, and then yeah, a lot of our producers are utilizing anywhere from 40 to 60 percent new French oak or new American oak. Um, so a lot less than what Gallo's doing. Um so yeah, I'm those are kind of the big profile like ex- expectations of mm-hmm. Moneroso.
0: I'm actually fascinated by the um executive tastings you do. Mm-hmm. How many a year do you do? Who's there and what are their typical reactions and what are their off reactions?
3: Um, so everybody up to our general manager is there. Um and I have it in March, so start of the year before contracts are re-signed or uh, agreements are made. Um, I have our winemaking team in there to speak to the winemaking side because a lot of those wines are not complete. Um, and then I have my bosses in there. Um, we do it once a year, like I said. Uh, what was the other part of your question? Oh, just
0: the reactions that you get from upper management.
3: Um. Mostly positive. Um, we So even for the people who don't initially start with a trademark agreement, if they thought they were just going to you know blend it off somewhere and then decided, actually, we have something here, they could submit their wine for trademark approval. So we'll do that there as well. And then if we give them the thumbs up, we'll invoice them for the difference.
5: <laughs> and, then, uh, the
3: and then they'll now be in the rotation for uh, the qualitative <laughs> analysis up until bottling um but more times than not we're asking how easy it is to work with people how much you know of a pain in the butt are some people (laughs) that's a big focus like there's probably a lot
1: of people who fall off the list because of that i can think of some that is a big
3: like our jobs are hard enough um i i luckily don't have too many pains Uh, (laughs) again with the laugh we're looking at you morgan (laughs) (laughs) oh no morgan's great morgan no 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 morgan's great don't take that it
1: was just an easy target
3: (laughs) um yeah i a big focus is you know who's easiest to work with um and why do why do we really want to be working with them Again, I have a spreadsheet that's in front of everybody in the room. So we're looking at the chemistry of the wines that we're tasting. We are looking at their um, retail values because I can't legally tell people what to charge, but it can become um, a a sticking point. I could suggest it to you. So I always have suggested retail in our trademark. And if you're way under that, then we would probably not resell to you because now.
0: Why would they be way under that?
3: You know, trying to, again, not shock their their demographic. Um, and by way under, you know, they're probably breaking even with uh, the price per ton. If you did every hundred. Yeah, yeah.
1: Have a loss leader. Have the cachet cachet of having. And you attract people to your brand. Uh, and yeah. Having, yeah, having yeah. the cachet of having a Mono Rosso out there. And, you know, so it, it doesn't, you don't price it way out of the zone with you know what your customers expect um and that can get tough
3: especially with the the smaller guys that can get very hard if all of a sudden you have a wine like monoroso and you know what we're charging price per ton doesn't really allow you to charge under 60 dollars. so if you're you know 50 55 we're probably eyeballing you like okay well what is it now there are Some people we put an asterisk next to, like this person maybe isn't charging what we'd ideally like to see, but they're up and coming, they're scoring, you know, they're everywhere, they're getting certifications. We're paying, like, people are paying attention to them, so is there value for us to stay in partnership with them? So there are some anomalies where it's like, okay, a little little uh, asterisk here, Um, and but I would
1: imagine you know the rest of the other clients want you to be protecting Absolutely. those prices also yes. right so they don't want somebody out there with a monoroso that's thirty right. five 35 a bottle and everybody else is trying to sell it at 65 you, don't, yeah. you know
3: luckily the discrepancies haven't been that yeah, crazy I, I but yeah okay. no that's and fact. that's another that's another conversation piece and i would say a lot of that um tasting is just seeing what's going through my brain when i'm going through and tasting and talking to these people how am i managing these relationships like where am i pushing them to go where do i think they're gonna go and how are we gonna see this in the next one to two years because i only set up contracts up to three years i don't do evergreens or anything like that so like half the time they're trying to question and see where do i see this going and why are we playing in the way that we're playing so like even joining the moon mountain district um wine growing association or is it alliance i i messed up the word like okay i just called the district yeah the district so (laughs) we um joined that to be the host location in lieu of membership dues so as we look Mm -hmm. internally to start utilizing the moon mountain district appellation it's like how does how does this work for us as we start going organic how does this work for us so i have the autonomy to sit around and go okay if we do this we're going to get exposure here we're going to get the buy-in from the neighbors oh and by the way i'm selling all this fruit that's not going to be organic so if we play fair with you know the neighbors and we treat everybody as you know we're we're raising the tide for everybody that's going to get us buy-in on the back end to raise prices now we have these people that aren't going to get sticker shock from a triple digit price point like, so I literally am like kind of just this mastermind of like, how do we do this? So, gro- so joining Moon Mountain District um, and being the host location now in its uh, second year, first year consumer facing, most of those buyers are going to be from Monterosso. So that's more incentive for my buyers to mm-hmm. showcase their wines You get to pour three to four wines. One is definitely going to be your Monterosso so now if I've got 250 people coming to support the AVA mm-hmm. you've seen Monterosso 20 different times yeah. <laughs> so like I'm sitting around like okay how can I make this work for us um, while still being beneficial for um, the, the, the county because again we have so much diversity within Sonoma County I don't think we've really understood how to harness it and make it something that's very attractive for people to come and really highlight different points in each of these avas to say you need to get here
0: it's a very analytical process but how different from napa where it seems to be neighbor pricing my neighbor's getting 450 dollars yeah. a bottle i can too you know and it's just
3: that's not the case here no
0: you're so doing numbers. a really great job on that it's very <laughs>
3: I've been, <laughs> really tight i've been uh compared to andy Beckstopper like five or six times now <laughs> and i would <laughs> be like wow you,
1: you don't get to call me andy beckstoffer until, right. like, <laughs> right. right. okay. so until you put a billion dollars in my bank account
3: i'm the sonoma county okay so until you put
1: a half a billion dollars into my bank account
3: yeah um but just i guess just his approach of you know yeah, I can charge yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the, you, the brand the you that saying. you're
1: protecting is the vineyard brand. Yeah, right. And that's so, the, you know, of the, all the other ones don't matter if the vineyard brand isn't protected. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And,
3: and that's honestly one bad apple kind of ruins it for everybody. So that's why I'm not afraid to have the tougher conversations with rejecting the trademark. It's a necessary evil. And again, if my contracting process is built on trust, I, I expect you to trust, or I want you to trust me uh, with farming Monterey so I'm doing right by you when you're not on the vineyard and you send me an email and say I want to see leafing this way or doing something like that I'm executing without you having to be you know up my behind out there yeah. and but I'm also expecting you to get this wine to fruition because you're not going to have to do a whole lot to it but keep it from spoiling and if you lose control of your wine then you and I no longer see eye to eye with Handling monoroso because I'm putting it in your hands by giving you that the authorization. Isn't
4: it nice though to have those conversations, knowing that there's someone else that is willing to step in too? Yeah, it's not like you're a new vineyard where you're having these conversations where you're just this a
1: waiting list now, right? Right, people yeah. are going to want. Right,
4: to I mean, it gives you yeah. a, a. I mean, that's comfortable,
3: right? And I will say, like, as I look towards, you know, what my professional career is going to look like farming monoroso is absolutely a luxury and being able to have this amount of power is because monoroso established was established well before i got yeah. there um i think building if i was starting on a brand new vineyard didn't have any notoriety or things like that which i'll i'll start working on um you know, you're going to be taking, maybe you're going to be breaking even, or you're going to be taking a loss in some cases, or you're going to give some stuff away at a discount price for a very long time. Working that grassroots effort of building up the name, Um, it's not easy to do. And you certainly don't start out with the the leverage I had yeah. um jumping into this role. But I've had a lot of learnings, um, so I know that the vineyards that I do take over and start um, trying to build up that notoriety, I have a lot of things already covered. I mean, there's
1: also this piece of it that um, there's no way, if it was just a, a internal organization, say, there's no way that you can justify the farming costs... Of farming the way you are up there Where everything is more expensive Than it would be down somewhere flat and easy Right uh, The fact is in the modern moment You can't make a bottle of wine Out of a vineyard like that Whether it has the name on it or not Right For less than $60 a bottle Yeah Right, right. right. And totally. really it probably it's probably more than that yeah. yeah And and so if you're farming another vineyard But it has the same You know uh, the same difficulties, yeah. the same challenges. um It's still gonna have to be that ton price and that bottle price because that's what it takes to to do that. There, you know? I will say,
3: even if it doesn't have the difficulties, if you're managing a vineyard by hand at this point, <laughs> you're you're paying right. you're gonna be paying an, an elevated price. Uh,
2: and that's not changing
3: that's not gonna go away uh at this point going one
1: direction and it's not down farming costs
3: go up (laughs) anywhere from two to five percent annually um and that all leads back to that final bottle price so i I think it's a lot of things that people don't think about but um it's definitely something that i have to add into the equation of you know what's my year over year pricing what you know do i want to hold um the great market was super tight last year, so you could push pretty aggressively on price. I don't think this year is going to be in that same fashion. Um, so you know, am I going to soften up a little bit? Am I going to hold? I have all those hold. opportunities. You're yeah. going to hold. <laughs> I'm hopeful. To You're hold. going to hold or push. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hopeful to hold. I'm hopeful to hold. But um, you know, those are all decisions, and I think I'm just getting smarter about really building those brand partnerships and. That continuity because I don't want to keep negotiating every single year. That gets really. No. things why
1: they know they can, they could not negotiate with the boxer before. And now the boxer is going to be a mom. Also, they're right. going to take so I'm, whatever price you give I'm them. I'm very concerned taking- about that.
3: I'm super concerned about that because like I'm a very like upfront person. Like I will tell you exactly what you. Need to hear from me, <laughs> and now that I'm becoming like mama bear, I'm like, oh, I'm really not going to give yeah, a damn. The filters are gone. Yeah. Whatever filters were there, <laughs> exactly. they're gone. It's like yeah. I'm gonna have a baby strapped to my chest. <laughs> and I'm gonna be ready for a nap. What's it gonna be?
4: <laughs> Tread, lightly.
3: Tread lightly. Yeah, like at the Moon Mountain District, my son will be two months old or so. So I'm literally gonna have a baby on my He's, chest.
1: Be the star of the show. So I, I mean, like it'll be you know hundred point wines and fam- famous winemakers, and sol- I mean, everybody's gonna be talking about King. No, there's no got- hundred. That's my prediction right now. June. Th- June should we June hype that 3rd. for a minute? June third. Yeah, and it is. It's a the details will be forthcoming soon but it's uh, consumer facing there's going to be 200
3: I yeah I can talk people. about some of them okay so, you know some, um, you
1: probably know more than I do
3: yeah so we're doing a master class with Antonio Galoni oh we can say that Cabernet okay good Sama. yeah it's is going to be yeah. the star of
1: the well uh, and king is going to be the stars I'm of the show I'm going to be on the panel with a
3: baby <laughs> on my chest um so we're, yeah, we're doing the masterclass followed by a tour with me on Mono Rosso. So not many people get to do that. That's going to be a fun one. And then we're doing a grand tasting with up to 20, 25 producers of uh, wineries that source from the AVA to present their wines. Um, so, we're working out the details. We'll have a shuttle service to get you to the ranch, but it's set up to be like a really awesome day. Oh, and uh father of my child will be my father or the father of my child is uh, a chef, so he is going to be oh. cooking for the event. Oh, cool. Uh it's a whole family affair. Um and not just a chef,
1: he's the chef at, at the Claremont. The Claremont. Oh.
3: <laughs> Casual. <laughs>
2: Not just a chef. He's right. a chef. <laughs> and and this um, event, this will tickets will be sold through the Boone Mountain District. Yes, yeah. yeah. Boon Mountain District. We're working on that detail. Right. That yeah, detail. I think, I, think, detail I, think I was assigned complete.
1: recently with figuring out how tickets are going to be sold. Yeah. I think we'll have an event break going or something like that. We'll keep yeah. you on task. So. Yeah. yeah. But that's going to be a There's a team. Really fun. <laughs> There's a team in place. That's okay.
3: going to be a really really fun <laughs> yeah. event. Like yeah. you're going to mark your calendars. June, Where's
4: everyone parking? They're
1: parking now. I think. I want, like, Hannah Boy Center or something. There's yeah. going to be a shuttle and from somewhere at the bottom of the hill up, up the hill. Yeah, Go no. Ahead. You don't um, Helicopter. mix consumer, <laughs> consumer events and tastings and Moon Mountain Mount District Road. roads. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah no, no. Bad combination.
3: No. A one lane for two miles. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. I mean, I've seen the way people drive sober on those roads. Right.
3: <laughs>
5: there may
1: be some people
2: at this table. <laughs> exactly. Well, I may
4: have seen some people drive
3: I mean, a little bit. Crazy I drive my truck like like I know. Snowboard. I know
2: it's a paved road, but what's that cloud of dust coming towards me? Yeah.
3: Well, now that they have paved it, you like fly down it. Yeah, that was like the worst thing they could have done. Yeah,
2: the puddles they should have put in double
4: the double speed bumps They did. Um, did you hint at maybe possibly farming another vineyard or going to another vineyard? Were you- uh,
3: my role is expanding. Yeah. Uh,
4: expanding. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and then I was curious about, um, varietals. Like, is there something that you haven't played around with that you're curious about? Um,
3: I actually want to get really good at Pinot Noir. I think. For the level that i can farm zinfandel and cab granted mm-hmm. those are two wildly different beasts um i think i could get really good at pinot noir where would you
4: want to russian farm? river
3: okay yeah interesting it's just i mean I feel like I was born and raised in Sonoma. Like that's where my career started was Russian river. My heart will forever be in Sonoma County. So like, that's just where I want to lean in and get really good at everything here. Yeah. So Pinot Noir would be my next target. Cause I think I could create a pretty fire Pinot Noir. Cool. Very
2: cool. Nice. Here first. Yep. Yeah. There
4: you go. And w- what is the timeline for you possibly maybe taking on some other projects?
3: Um. Well, not a baby's on the way. Yeah. <laughs> Timelines have shifted. Yeah, yeah, things have shifted. Um, yeah. probably 2024. Cool. Yeah, I need to. Uh, life is happening outside of the vineyard, so I've got Monarosa on autopilot. <laughs> Gonna keep that uh, sustainable. See what mom life does, um, and then jump back in in 2024. So like, I'm only out for I think like 14 weeks is the plan, and I'll be back. And forth I'll be coming back full time for harvest 14
2: weeks living on the property yeah you live yeah. on the property right yeah, it's not so, like i'm not off. <laughs> it's like, like really maternity <laughs> leave will also be Dernay. like hey
0: no you can't
1: like go you can't go down to the store and buy more diapers without driving through and seeing 17 things that you're gonna want i, know. People to, well, I, exactly. I keep telling
3: my team i'm like this is gonna be a reprieve because uh joseph's family is from dc my family is here but like they've all already booked flights so like i'm gonna have a million family members at the house so i'm thinking when i get out to the vineyard it's gonna be a nice breath of air i I need to go to the vineyard (laughs) i need to 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 get out of this house (laughs) yeah so that's i'm I'm thinking work will be a nice little break because we're just gonna have way too many family members there and yeah we're both like oh this is gonna be a lot <laughs> like he's i think he's he's moving up so it's gonna be aggressive then i've got violet May. you guys know how much of a hot mess that dog is so so awesome it's so excited for you <laughs> but yeah it's gonna be fun i yeah what is
1: when are you when are you actually what's the due date
3: april 10th april but 10th. he's measuring he's still measuring a week and a half ahead so mm-hmm could be Sorry. late march but he's an aries like his mom so i just pray his temper yeah, isn't you know, as bad as mine bud
1: break bloom baby, baby. April it <laughs> all, all starts with b yeah <laughs> then brasian <laughs> and we're back Bar-rasian. Bar-rasian. <laughs> um, <laughs>
3: but no it's an exciting time and i gotta say thank you guys you guys are always so fun to speak with and thanks for being out. on the show Let me talk about all things Monterosso. Well, I'll probably get a call from Tegan, but (laughs) hey, that means he's listening. Yeah, it's all good.
1: We're all happy about it.
2: Hi, Tegan. Thank you. <laughs> Come on the show, Tegan. Bring some wine. Or at least he's hearing it secondhand from somebody. <laughs> they were
1: talking about you. For day one. Yes.
2: I'm going to get shit for the Morgan crack, probably, <laughs> is what's going to
1: happen. Because
2: we know that Chris is listening. Yeah. Somebody's listening. No.
5: Right. Oh, great.
1: Well, yeah, June 3rd mark January, your calendars yeah come mark out your calendars
3: ranch, buy those tickets like it's such and it's, send
1: gifts to Monteroso starting in sometime early april baby gifts started it started, it started oh, i'm sure yeah, yeah it started
3: in september i found out a week before to, harvest started and i was off for three weeks of travel and was like yo <laughs> what is happening <laughs> 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 and then yeah our families found out and stuff has been showing up to my house you have to build
1: another barn for all the baby gifts yeah
3: (laughs) yeah and actually now that it's on social media and like people see me stuff shows up so like people are still sending me wine and i'm like i don't know where i'm gonna put this (laughs) thank you but like and i get it i'm gonna need a lot of wine but um
1: <laughs> for all that family yeah either to deal with all that family or yeah. for all that family Gibbs, right. either way, i've but... gotten
3: an obscene amount of um body pillows which has been really funny so <laughs> <laughs> like people just keep sending um body that's, pillows that's interesting. Yeah. so yeah they must know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah don't feel shy just uh... well are
0: you registered
3: yeah okay yeah no body pillows please so no, no, more, no body more body pillows, pillows. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> shout out the registration on the <laughs> that <would be> cool. <laughs> No. everybody if you're gonna rsvp for the baby shower <laughs> <No>. though.
3: <laughs> but you can meet him if you come to the june 3rd event there you go. yeah that's nice incentive <laughs>
4: and and then anyone that wants to come to monoroso is i mean how do you even get up there You don't. You you have to
3: know somebody. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You pay for an event, or you know
2: somebody. I mean, you can. I I think where you were going is if you want to taste some of the wines, you go to Louis and Martini. All those
4: people that we named as well. Right.
3: Uh, Yeah. You go to Louis and Martini if you want to see offerings that aren't sold externally, um, or you go to any of the people that I just announced.
4: Or you can order some of those wines and then get on your computer and go to Google Maps and then just kind of like virtually do a flyover of the vineyard while you're drinking the wine.
3: Yeah. Maybe I'll do that. (laughs) Interview with Brene's (laughs) drones that she has out there already. Uh, We will take them down. (laughs) Uh, Most of the wines, because they're such a limited quantity, you actually have to join membership. So that's another big thing for us is like, we want to support people's clubs. We want them to, you know, yeah. be invested with the buyers. Um, and Moneroso is hopefully uh, an incentive to join a club and stay with that winery. So, yep. most you have to join the club,
4: or you can go where I am going tonight to the Fairmont, who has some Moneroso stuff Rosso on Mono the list. Yeah. Um, we're actually doing a Magnum dinner tonight, so we're going to go Casual. pour some wine for. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Casual magnum dinners,
5: yeah.
1: Should we announce the next magnum dinner? Yeah, sure. February 23rd, 23rd. All Rossi ranch wines, all Rossi. Nice, 10 seats
4: available, everything out of magnum. 10 seats, four courses, five wines, all out of magnum. Boom! Damn, call us. Damn. Bart, you have anything to
3: sell?
1: <laughs> get, get in here, Bart. Give us a shout out. I'll catch you guys. Bart, you know what? I have a shout out. I want to give a shout out to um, Mark Trichkew. I never say his name right. Yep. Uh, but, you know, he posted just other so that he took like a whole bunch of his, his kid and their friends to um, like a a Bergen, uh, a Bordeaux Grand Cru yep. tasting event and you know and there's all this like talking
2: about going to the Burgundy one, yeah. one next and
1: there's all this like hand-wringing over you know why aren't millennials buying wine and young people buying wine and don't care about wine and you know be the be the mark T right of Good your parents fa- of your right. family and you know get bring some because those kids a if they could afford it aren't wouldn't care anyway if they didn't know if they had not have a chance to go taste those wines right and if they probably couldn't afford it. So, you know, share your 75 and to $125 Monterosso wines with a 22 year old. Learn them something. Yeah. yeah so. I
3: think that's a whole other conversation, but yeah. Or or younger. <laughs> <Yeah>. Or younger. <laughs> if you're in my family. All
1: right. That's what I got today. So, shout out to Mark. There you go. Trich Q
2: Nice guy. Trich Kush.
0: One any, day I'll learn and, how to say that. Any last other name. shout outs, <laughs> Bart?
2: I, I got nothing right now. Right.
0: Yep. Renee? No. You wanna say hi to anybody? Hi mom.
2: <laughs> I don't even think my mom listens to
0: guys. <laughs> I mean,
3: we could say, and, and she's in like full I mean, grandma mode. Right. So
0: oh, That's cool, though. She's, she's happy about she's that. Mind,
1: is this, so. this is her first grandbaby? This
3: is first great grandbaby. This first grandbaby on both sides. First nephew. Like Our families. You're so important. Our families haven't had babies in them for like 15 to 20 years. So oh,
1: yeah. There's probably a road down the backside you could find. <laughs> it's to, an to, escape route that uh, takes yeah. you to the plot. Closet. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. All right, you might need that. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I I know where it is. <laughs> I know exactly. But where yeah, I'm grandma at. mode is oof. It's a little psychotic.
0: Well, thanks everybody for listening. I hate to turn this off today. We've been having a such good a good time, so it's a thank you very much for being on. Congratulations. Really appreciate Congratulations. It. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And we are the winemakers from a beautiful afternoon in Sonoma, California. We'll talk to you next week, everyone.